You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, we're not slowing down. Back with another exciting interview. Marcella Sapone, co-founder and CEO of a company called Alfred. Let's talk about the name Alfred. I've always actually really liked this name. Uh, And I asked Marcella, where does it come from? And it has roots in Batman. You remember Alfred? right? The, the butler. And he helps Bruce Wayne, a relatively normal guy, but through tools and some technology and support, become a superhero. And Marcella has a similar mindset when it comes to how can you make the apartment living, the house living, that much better for the resident through some technology and services. Uh, So Alfred is the largest and most advanced residential management platform. They've been named by Fast Company as one of the top 50 most innovative companies. Their AOS technology is what is lowering operating costs and delivering higher returns for property owners and operators. The Alfred portfolio, here's one for you, it now extends to 300,000 residents in 52 cities in the US and Canada. We talked through multiple different pieces here. Why is the industry ignored resident experience? How can property managers deliver greater value by putting an emphasis onto resident experience? And of course, we get into some of the business and we close out this interview with a topic that um, admittedly, maybe we don't talk about enough, but diversity and representation. And this is something that I have seen the evidence that this is very important and enrich in the ethos at Alfred, as well as in Marcella's career. And she gives some thoughts on why that's necessary and what it means to her. So let's go ahead, jump right in and hear what she has to say. Renting a home shouldn't be complicated or frustrating. That's why Pure Property Management is on a mission to make renting a home a simple and satisfying experience for all. By banding together and building together, Pure's team of experienced industry professionals and seasoned technology innovators provide a high-tech, high-touch, and hyper-local property management service to residents and investors nationwide. To learn more, visit purepm.co. Hey, Marcel. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining and uh, even moving inside when I know you were sitting outside in the sun, getting a healthy dose of vitamin D. So uh, to do this recording, greatly appreciated. Um, as always, let's get started in the right way. Please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. I am Marcella Sapone, and I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Alfred. And Alfred is a leading residential experience platform that seeks to make renting more rewarding for the ecosystem we serve. And I'm excited to dive into um, our story. Yeah. So biggest possible question here, uh, and then we'll start getting down into the details. What is the problem or problems that Alfred Alfred solves for? Well, um, to put it plainly, the uh, real estate industry hasn't really evolved since the invention of the elevator. And we believe that rental real estate is the largest consumer product in the world that lacks a consumer-grade experience and consumer-grade technology. And our objective is to bring the resident back into the ecosystem and really have rental be a better product for renters. And we believe we can do that and make the job of the owner and operator easier by bringing in technology, by bringing in a different culture of hospitality, and by bringing in experiences that are differentiated and give people back time, money, and a sense of place. Awesome. 
and and so we can lay some of the groundworks here. Um, when did Alfred start? Why did you start this company? Also, where does the name come from? Yeah. Uh, well, um, when my co-founder and I met in business school, we had just gotten off of 90-hour work weeks in New York City and working in Wall Street and working in management consulting. And it occurred to us that we were living in the best city in the world and had a really low quality of life because we had a very bad landlord experience. And we started toying with the idea of what if your home and the apartment that you lived in would anticipate you and give you back your time? What could that look like? And the more we kind of pulled back the onion on this, we realized that real estate is actually a service. And for a long time, we've been selling it as four walls and a roof. And actually, it's about enabling one's lifestyle. So we began this journey in 2014, and it started as a direct-to-consumer offering. It was a home management company that was an amenity that was placed in rental buildings in New York and in Boston. And we have grown very steadily since then, working with the real estate industry and, and really bringing the industry with us into the future. And with regards to the name, um, I am a big Batman fan. And the reason I like Batman so much is that uh, for, as far as superheroes go, he's the only one that really is a normal guy, but through a dedication and technology and the assistance of his sidekick, Alfred, he becomes a superhero. And that's what we want to do for our consumer. We want to help people live the best version of their life. Hence, everybody has an Alfred. Buildings are wired with Alfred. And um, it, I think it's a recognizable name for a sidekick. And that's what we do. It, it definitely makes me think immediately of Batman. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a favorite Batman movie? There's got to be one that's like the one. Uh, the one from the 80s with Poison Ivy and with Thurman. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to go with the one with the... Uh, Penguin. penguin, yeah, there went Danny DeVito penguin. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> it's is it well, it kind of has well, all of Batman is based out of is is Gotham New York. City based Gotham in Gotham City, absolutely. Yeah, but they filmed some of the last one in Chicago. Chicago, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, well, we'll we'll have to save that for another conversation. We'll go through. You kind of alluded here a little bit, and, and I do want to talk through this. Your background. Um, you're not necessarily coming from a real estate background. You had an experience in real estate, but you had a different background. Can you share more about your personal background that really prepared you for starting and building Alfred, or maybe it didn't directly prepare you? Yeah, well, um, I guess my story starts in the fact that I moved around a lot as a child and I moved to different countries. So I grew up in the United States and then when I was 10, I moved to Denmark in Copenhagen, which is a pretty magical place to grow up. Uh, everyone rides their bike to, to school, to work. You, you own a minimal amount of things. Everything is really well designed and thoughtful. And they were ahead of the curve in terms of thinking about climate change back in the 90s. Okay. And then after Copenhagen, I moved to France and Paris. And uh, I had this experience of growing up in many different cultures and seeing that there are very different ways to live and got fascinated with the idea about how cities evolve. And so I studied urban planning where I got to live in China, in India and Argentina. So my kind of perspective on this was I knew that cities were becoming like the new loci of how things uh, would be organized and that 80% of us on planet earth would be living in a semi-urban or urban area. And I think it's really interesting to see how quickly cities evolve. Even in New York City, the skyline has changed so much in just the last five years. So I, I did have a urban planning background and uh, studied um, econ and ethics and finance and worked at McKinsey, um, which is a great place to kind of get trained on how business works and how great companies and best practices across many, many different industries. And then I worked in finance at a private equity firm and I'm following like this kind of old traditional path. But for me, it was very non-traditional because I came out of BU, which, you know, McKinsey didn't hire from BU. 
Um, and the kind of path for me was always about apprenticeship and learning about how businesses work. Private equity was learning about how to really make transformation with how things are done and put technology into businesses. Uh, and then I went to business school with the intention of finding a, an idea I was passionate about and a co-founder. And I got both of my wishes. <laughs> and here I am. It's 2022. Not yeah. such a bad shape. That kind of worked out, I'd say. Um, it has. It has. It's not been a fast journey, but I think the thing that I've learned along the way is that real businesses are not a straight line. They take time. and that to your question, it is extremely hard to start a company in real estate without a real estate background for lots of reasons. And we were really one of the first prop tech companies ever. Um, and so learning and trying to take the perspective of the owner, the operator, the vendors, it's a very different perspective than someone who is coming from a consumer background. So kind of navigating and being able to satisfy all your stakeholders is a pretty important thing. And that said, I think it's really hard to innovate in real estate if you come from a real estate background, because you're, you're, it's harder to get that beginner's mind to envision doing things differently. Um, and I think it's having a diverse set of experiences and data points and back to living in different cultures and, and seeing how real estate works in different places. You have, uh, I think, an ability to be more innovative and creative in how you Approach things, but then it's all about the grit and it's just execution, and you have to just keep going. Yeah, I've had this conversation with multiple founders, and there's certainly a challenge, a little bit of a balance. Uh, and I think you know, I think it's fairly safe to say that you might be set apart from a lot of prop tech founders and not necessarily coming directly from real estate. And as you'd mentioned, like sometimes it's a little bit of a disadvantage, but you don't have the ingrained, well, it must be this way, or it has to work in this fashion. And so then the freedom to rethink and dream and challenge the status quo, I think then is a little bit more in favor of those who don't have that necessarily, you know, heavy real estate background that forces a certain viewpoint on what the experience should be. And one thing I particularly appreciate, and I want to dump into here a little bit is you came really from like the experience of a, as a renter. And you talked about going, you know, resident first. So maybe you can um, share a little bit more about what the, the resident focused side of Alfred is, and then we can transition. And I'd love to hear what you're doing that's more focused on also the the manager and operator side of Alfred. Yeah, definitely. So um, to put it very, very plainly and simply, it's like we hope that the name Alfred can kind of speak for itself. The idea is we want to give residents back their time. We want to make their life feel like they're living the superhero version. And we want to be a sidekick and a support system. So it's almost, if you can ask for anything, 24-7 will be there for you, helping you get stuff done. And it comes down to looking at, at what the recurring tasks that people have every single week. So if we can put the packages in your apartment, if we can put groceries in your fridge, dry cleaning in your closet, we can take your dog to the groomer pack up your car to go on your July 4th vacation. That's really the root of where Alfred started. We have performed 300 different style of service deliveries of, of different, I mean, we even do things like get people's passports when they're at the airport and they are about to miss a flight. So life-saving type of um, sidekick moves. And that is where the services marketplace that we've built we really focus on local services. So 70% of what we sell are really the local florist, the local butcher, um, the local candle shop, and trying to bring that kind of sense of place into the buildings that we operate and giving time-saving services at a really good price. Uh, and then more broadly, the way to think about uh, rental is it doesn't matter if we're talking about a multifamily apartment building with 10 units or 500. Maybe we're talking about a gated community, single family rental, or a low rise. All of these different styles of neighborhoods come down to one simple thing, which is, this is these are places that people call home. And to the extent that you can make 
that place feel more like home, you can have a pretty profound impact on whether or not they stay and they feel like they are connected to a place. So the thing I would say is these rental buildings are being operated by property managers and that name tells you exactly what they are trained to do. They manage the physical property. <laughs> the entire industry is really dedicated to the maintenance and rent collection and accounting of a property. And what we need and are doing together with the industry is moving it to a place where, okay, we need to actually understand that this is a resident experience business and the end user is the resident. And it's tricky because right now you have a housing shortage and you have a sh the supply and growing demand where it's very competitive and renters are battling over new listings and um, they're bidding wars. We've never seen rent increases like we've seen in the past couple of years. So it's even more important from my perspective as an advocate for consumers and for renters that we really show owners and operators that the industry needs to take a consumer first approach. It needs to bring resident experience. You can't just manage the property. And what's nice is um, it's you can actually make more money by taking this approach. It's not charity work. Um, fundamentally, the kind of number everyone talks about in our industry is NOI and cap rates, but ultimately it comes down to what is the NPS, the net promoter score of your residents, what's the renewal rate, and what's the rent rate growth, and all of that is coming back to the experience that the consumer has in your building. So what we do at Alfred is we take a tech-enabled approach. We, we do a different staffing model that's more reminiscent of a hotel. And we use technology to collect data to understand what's actually happening in the building to do things more efficiently, whether it's from a landscaping, preventative maintenance perspective, energy utilization. But we're just upgrading properties to function the way that they should in the 2020s. It's so interesting when you talk about like a feeling like a home, you know, like this is where people live, it is their home. And I think it made immediately gave me two kind of like thoughts. One was, one that came from my Facebook uh, reminders, you know, those little notifications of like this thing you posted seven years ago. And one of them was I found a trap door in a bedroom that went into the ground and had this like tunnel. And it was like my friends and I like going underneath the house because there was a, there's a trap door in the middle of the bedroom floor. We couldn't figure out why. The other one it makes me think of is the last apartment building I lived in. So, you know, leaving Chicago for a small town outside of Rapid City, South Dakota is pretty much as big a change as I think I could make. And at the last building that we lived in Chicago, you know, the parking scenario that we would go through, you know, during the pandemic, everything shut down. So they just raised the price of parking by 20 bucks and then over capacity. The, the, the garage is their way of making up for some lost revenues. But at the same time, the way they did valet there was when you pull in, you park and your key. And when you go to find your car, it's just walking around the garage, pressing the, you know, the key fob to find your car. And there was nothing that made me feel more inconvenience, but also to be an inconvenience than that, you know, just couldn't find my car in where I live. And then I would find it. And this would three out of four times, I would find it. It would be at the far end of the garage and it would be parked in because there was too many cars. So then I'd have to walk all the way back to the attendant and ask him to move the car. And I was always met with like such a frustration from the parking attendant. And I can see now clearly it was a system that they didn't like, but were being mandated to, to, to implement. And from my perspective, it was like, why are you mad at me? I just want to go and get my groceries, you know? And there was such a lack of care or focus on the resident experience. Why is why is it even that possible? Like, why is that even possible that management and operators would just fail to recognize the potential upside of maybe just not double parking people's cars? Well, it's pretty simple. It's how real estate works. It's structural. And owners come in, they want to increase the rent and charge fees and then sell the building. And it's this kind of, constant movement of the building versus the long hold owner that creates this tension where it's really hard 
for folks to justify making investments in the experience or really satisfying the consumer because they're not going to be the landlord in a year. So it's, it's a liquid market. Now, the thing that I would say, though, is it's also because the incentives in this business have never been around resident experience or resident happiness. It's about managing the property. So that garage attendant hasn't been trained and is not incentivized to like what their job is, is to fulfill this new, uh, they've been trained to do this new double parking thing so they can charge more money. And it's, it's going to the top line for the landlord. Now it's not because people are bad. It's just how the industry works. And, and these are big investments and you, people are looking for a yield. But the funny thing is, is it takes such little, I mean, such little training and a small change to operations. And now you have a more delight. So maybe they actually know your name. Maybe they're anticipating. You can actually text and say, you're coming down. Your car can be waiting for you. And you know what? You'll not only pay $20 more. Maybe you'll pay $30 more, but you made the experience better. What your experience was is I'm paying more for less service and I'm being treated like I am not the consumer. And that is like the classic landlord dilemma, which is most people think of the word landlord and it's not somebody they're going to invite to their birthday party. It's true. You know, I don't go to many birthday parties, but I, maybe I, I also don't tell many people I'm a landlord. So there's that. Um, I want, I'll shift a little bit. You talked about investments and you guys recently made a, I guess I, I would describe it as an investment, but it was an acquisition, RKW Properties. Um, can you break down a little bit? Uh, about that acquisition, why that was in, an important acquisition for you guys to make right now, um, and what does this mean for the residents of the properties that RKW is managing? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So um, it signifies a growing up. Um, we've moved out of a kind of startup on a mission and to change the industry with a resident first approach to really working with the industry and moving the Legos around to make some monumental change. So RKW is a property manager that operates in the Sunbelt, uh, Florida, Atlanta, Carolinas, 30,000 units across single family rental and multifamily rental. And what we found in this team was a phenomenal entrepreneurial driven, very resident centric culture and they have been growing, one of the fastest growing property managers in the United States. And what we had found during COVID and the pandemic was that lots of uh, owners were asking us to move into property management because they were having trouble maintaining their personnel. And we also saw a giant pull for our technology, which allowed a, a greater remote property management and it more tenant engagement. So uh, we have a resident tenant engagement program that allowed people to manage their properties during COVID. Um, and, and what happened is we took over properties and had the property manager reporting into us. And in those properties over a 12 month period, we saw a 10% NOI uplift with zero CapEx uh, investment. And that's all controlled. So like that doesn't include the rent increases or that's 10% that came just from Alfred putting its system in place and having the property manager report to us. So what we're doing by acquiring RKW is actually partnering with what we believe is like some of the best um, experience, like entrepreneurial property management talent and combining it with our technology and saying, let's take over the industry together. And we're coming in with a new form of property management. And we'd love to share it with everybody else as well. Like we're just leading the charge here. Um, but our technology system is for sale for other property managers and it yields pretty phenomenal results. So we'd like to put ourselves in our customer shoes here. I love the approach because I mean, First, you, you start with the resident experience and really maximizing and thinking through harsh, you know, all the way through on that. Then coming in and, you know, bringing the RKW team in-house, who is already a well-oiled machine, professional, fast-growing, which kind of fits the startup vibe to begin with, which in and of itself, a property management company fitting startup vibe is unusual. Uh, so that already says volumes about the team there. And so now it's, it's, it's a natural fit. There's a property management company that's going to understand the value of resident experience and improving resident experience 
and the benefits of that. And then by proof of doing that, all the other mom and pops that may want to use or independent owners and operators who want to use the Alfred software see that it really can work. They actually get to see because you're demonstrating it very much so. And people ask me, well, well, aren't you competing with your customer? And the thing that's interesting is, well, you know, we're managing 30,000 units and there are millions of units out there. And what we're actually doing is because we're sitting in the seat of our customer, everything we do from a technology perspective has to be about increasing NOI and margin for the operator, or it's not worth doing, which is really, really strong alignment that nobody else in the industry has. People are investing in sales teams that are trying to get better at better at selling into operators. And it's not the focus on how do we actually change the results for, for owners and operators. And so I, I, from my perspective, this is our way of making sure everything we do really drives value to our customers. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's good. Uh, I want to shift here just a little bit uh, and just kind of talk some sales and marketing, specifically on the software side, um, especially when we get into multifamily. A lot of software providers and SaaS companies find themselves in a really tough situation where the end user is not the buyer of the software. I'm curious how that scenario is for you. Like who is the buyer? Who is the end user? And how does that affect the ability to go to market and, and get your products into the hands of managers and operators? It's a great question. I would say that there is a general trend in prop tech for people to build software for the buyer that doesn't satisfy the needs of the end user, but the buyer is articulating, I need this functionality. And then none of that functionality is used. So I would say that this is an industry that has, has wasted millions of dollars in <laughs> things that don't matter. So it, uh, no, that's not across the board, but it, I, there's a lot of that. And instead, I think the way to think about it is like, ultimately, you almost are building two companies at once. Like, so we've really, and that's part of the reason why it's like slow and steady wins the race here is that we're going to add value to the resident and we're going to add value to the owner and the operator. And it's about that Venn diagram about how we do it for both. That is really the differentiator because you need the resident to actually use the product, engage with the product, spend on the platform, be using the application as a part of their day-to-day -day life and enjoying doing that if you wanna automate and digitize resident experience and property management. And then meanwhile, we have to fundamentally make the onsite team's job easier and it has to be so simple. And the thing is, if you, if you give them consumer grade technology that just makes sense, it's like a revelation because they're using stuff that's 45 years old and, and old ERP systems supplemented with Excel worksheets and post-it notes. And they're working with 20 different systems. It's like, it's so frustrating to be a property manager today. So make the onsite team's job easier. Give the residents something they actually value and enjoy. And then that is what you're, you're approaching the owner with and ultimately making the yield for the owner higher. And you need to demonstrate that. And that takes time because it's, um, I mean, we operate in 52 cities, we have 300,000 residents and um, the industry still is, yeah, I mean, like we've proven beyond any reasonable doubt that an Alfred member is 94% more likely to, uh, to renew. Our lease duration of a, a Alfred member is on average four months longer than a normal resident. It's super material and a huge, huge impact to NOI. And I'm not even talking about cost efficiencies and streamlining operations. So we know we have a ton of value for the industry and I'm excited to work with the industry to take more and more um, buildings onto the Alfred platform. The one, the one thing I would say I think would probably work in your favor as an advantage is it's good that you've actually been doing this for so long because being able to demonstrate prove that an Alfred member is a, uh, can I say higher valued resident or more likely to renew or more likely to have a higher NPS that takes, it's just, there's just no other way, but time, it takes some time to be able to prove that. Um, and you know, the, the last few years has definitely uh, been detrimental to a lot of people's data sets. 
so having some time to be able to demonstrate and prove that is um, certainly helpful. I am curious if you're seeing any trends of like what types of communities, buildings, or locations see the value of actually putting effort into resident experience, or are you starting to see that this is becoming more or less a characteristic of the operators who care about resident experience versus maybe the building type or location? Yeah. So what's very interesting is even though you're in a market where this is a, an owner's market and there's not enough supply by and large, there has been a trend over the last 10 years of what we call the amenity wars, where people really are, it's like you have to keep up with the Joneses and you need to have the bullets on your list. So what I'm excited about is that resident experience, wellness programs, um, amenities, because COVID happened and people couldn't use the gym, all of these buildings were still charging amenities fees and they needed to give value if they wanted to continue to do that. So now there has been a kind of massive pull in the industry where it's almost an industry standard that any new class A property will absolutely have community and programming budget. And even more exciting that I'm starting to see that in workforce housing. So it's the new build coming online is just an assumption. It's what you need to be competitive. And that's very, very healthy for the industry. And then you're right. Tunnels and Pelotons. Yeah. Just moving, yeah. right? Tunnels on the wall, Pelotons in the, in the closet. Sure, definitely. Right? <laughs> Although Peloton had to stop. Peloton had to stop doing that because it takes away from their direct-to-consumer business. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't have given that any thought. And and then, so, and then I'm curious, so what about the, the last few years, SFR space? And so it is just really lit up. And I want to say it's lit up only for those who maybe weren't paying attention previously or didn't truly believe that um, people would want to rent a single family home. Um, it was, it's been the whole, prep, like, it, I, I don't have much of a, a an intelligent investment thesis other than we're all going to want a house someday and some people are going to choose to rent because maybe they move a lot and some people rent because they haven't found a way to buy so houses make a lot of sense do you see um the ability for property managers who have portfolios of single family rentals do they have the same ability to bring some sort of resident experience and, and amplify resident experience through those homes and how does that differ from, say, a high-rise community? So in um, SFR communities, the kind that are run by Amherst and Invitation Home and like all of the press and, and is really coming because there is now institutional money going behind uh, SFR, Lenar, Toll Brothers. It's actually mission critical for creating a sense of community and these kind of disparate amenities that are within the communities. And ultimately an SFR resident is going to stay for a longer period of time and are more valuable in a sense. So what's nice is that SFR is almost, you have to, you have to do that if you're a community. The scattershot SFR kind of less so, and I don't think there is a ton of sophistication yet around services or benefits or amenities for the resident. So uh, that's a place to watch, but I think Scattershot um, SFR is extremely challenging from a management perspective. Scattershot is in like, uh, I, I manage a hundred homes and they're all across town versus yeah. like in a set that's neighborhood right. or development. That's right. That's gotcha. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I can totally understand yeah. that because obviously like they were, probably built different years to have different points of entry. The layouts aren't the same. So then trying to create something that is the same all the way throughout that home, you know, could, could prove some challenging the access to the house is different, that sort of thing. Uh, but it certainly does seem like something that maybe that's, maybe that's an opportunity. I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, I'm sure they, the, the market is huge and there's always a long tail and uh, like, we call them mom and pop, but you can be super sophisticated and mom and pop operator. I mean, lots of entrepreneurs who are going into that long tail. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that, but it's not for the faint of heart. Property management is hard. It's time uh, and, and labor intensive and retaining people 
and having a workforce that's happy and like that. This this is hard, and you have to be kind of committed to wanting to be an employer. Yeah, you know, actually, that's, that makes me think of an interesting thing. So the the, the industry, is an, industry as a whole has been struggling to backfill property manager roles. You know, there's it's not a career path any of us is really taught or talked to about. You know, coming up out of school or or even college and there's certainly a lot of opportunities if starting in property management where you can take that in different operator uh, roles. What do you think the industry is going to do if we can't fill the role of having a person be that, you know, that center point, you know, what, what is that going to force within the industry as we continue to struggle to find people to actually be the property manager? I think that you'll see lots of different things happening, but if I'm the optimist, the best case scenario is that you're going to see fewer but better paid, more um, valuable jobs that are hospitality oriented within properties um, and much more technology being used for the maintenance of, of uh, how the properties are being managed. What's interesting is the way to think about the property management staff is basically you have accounting, you have maintenance, and you have, let's say, front of house and kind of hospitality. Uh, there's not enough folks who understand maintenance. Like, we actually need to be putting vocational schools together and making, because this is a really attractive career path for folks. But also, buildings are getting smarter and where everything isn't manual anymore. So, technology is going to have a huge impact, but it's going to leave better jobs available for folks. And I think they will be a very attractive job. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I'm interested to see if the title, the job titles will change as well to more accurately reflect uh, some of those changes uh, there as well. Um, I wanna shift the gears here a little bit. Um, I, I think we, we may have talked about this previously, so I'm like merging some conversations in my head, but. Uh, you did allude to earlier, like PropTech having this habit of going down these paths, building solutions to things that either don't get used or maybe actually don't really have a ton of utility. So, you know, it's no surprise we're in, you know, uh, the amount of money going into PropTech. It just seems right. Real estate is in the midst of the transformation and the technology to drive that significant opportunity for those who are in this line of work right now. Um, but real estate companies are themselves still underinvesting in tech. That's both in creating their own and then also adopting tech to power their systems or operations. Um, why is it still that real estate companies are not seeing the value of investing in tech? And why do you think uh, operators need to reconsider the amount that they're investing in tech for their business? Well, it's a super complicated issue, but the one thing we all agree in is that real estate has been a laggard in terms of adopting technology. And across our buildings, what we see is an average of 1% to 2% of the entire um, budget of the building is going towards technology, which in healthcare, you're talking about 10%, and most industries, 5%. And if you, the, the data is out there suggesting that the industry will continue to add more technology. It's something that everybody now knows is something they have to do. I don't think that there is, I think there is less reluctance. And instead what we have now is a problem of implementation because there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of point solutions and people are being bombarded by tech companies that solve one small thing and might not even solve it well. And none of these systems talk to each other. And then you have a very interesting feature of rental, which is there's a duopoly in the space in terms of the accounting systems that have been used for 35 to 45 years with Guardian RealPage, who are very old and kind of creeped into all of this resident experience. And I'm not, uh, they have some good features. But what, what that means is it's really hard to kind of just upgrade everything into the future. And it will require a lot of uh, attempts. And I think ultimately it's going to be AI that is going to have the most meaningful impact and is going to be able to accelerate the adoption of building management because it's so detail-oriented and so complicated and everything comes down to workflow and automating workflow. 
we're just like in the very first inning here. And I think you're going to see a lot of casualties. Like most pro- my, my most prop tech companies will fail. Most real estate initiatives that are taken within these uh, um, big institutional groups, the projects that they start out with will fail. And that's part of the process of moving and evolving an industry forward and just getting comfortable at taking a few shots at, at, at bat here and, and waiting for the right technology to come around to make it easier. It's about implementation. It's about data. And it's about, a, it's a paradigm shift, right? And back to your point around like people kind of just ended up in property management. It's not necessarily something that, you know, where was advertised in school, but it's a really amazing opportunity for people from anywhere with any background to move up and to have a very promising career and a lucrative career, especially at the top. It's, I'm going to like some prop tech, I'm sorry, some property managers make as much as hedge fund managers. It's I, the, the wages. The I didn't know that. So crazy. this whole tech thing doesn't work well, out for me. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, I'll send you my resume. Let me know who some of those properties are. We'll start, we'll get, we'll get busy here. <laughs> but so like these are, there's a lot of old school. You have to kind of wait for the generations to change. Right. And so folks who haven't been so comfortable using technology, that's changing as, as the folks who are in property management are changing. So slowly but surely and then all at once we will get there one of the questions i love asking founders and i think you've you've touched on it a few different uh pieces in here but you know we'll, we'll get to it directly is why is you know you, you've been doing this now for eight years why is now the right time for alfred well when we started we said we believe that america is going to be a nation of renters and that home ownership, the American dream, is no longer the best way to generate wealth um, and is not the best way for us to protect the environment and to live our lives. And out of COVID with a mass migration and change around where people are working and living and how they are prioritizing their life, that has come true in a way that none of us could have imagined. And so more and more of us are renting. It's like 60% of folks used to be home ownership now it's swapping. It's going to be 60% of Americans are renters and they're renting for longer and they're renting for more. And it's one of the largest chunk of their income. So from my perspective, it's never been more important to deliver more, more efficiently to satisfy that demand. And there is a moment in time where you're going to see unavoidable brands emerge in a way that you have only seen in hospitality or in let's say the automotive industry, there is no one brand within rental that everyone knows and recognizes. So that is the role we'd like to play and to be the advocate for renters. Very cool. Now, I'm going to really totally go and uh, change topics here, but this is something that I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to talk about. And I don't know that we get into it very much on this show. but I think you're the right person to ask about this. Um, it's clear to me, um, you know, from a few different interviews and pieces I've seen uh, you featured in from the careers page on Alfred itself. Um, and then even some of the emphasis uh, that I've heard you mention previously of working with other women founders uh, in this industry. Can you share more about why diversity and representation is so important to you? and how that plays a role in the the ethos of the company at Alfred. Yeah. Well, I'm um, emboldened by the fact that I think diversity has become very important to everyone and that there's tons of data proving that diversity yields better outcomes. But the thing that's very interesting is real estate has been a pretty male-dominated industry for a very long time. And I believe that women are actually like uniquely suited to think about uh, home as a service and the holistic, just like to really break it down. Like <laughs> we were managing the home for a really long time and things like the, the dishwasher and uh, having a washing machine changed how women were able to spend their time and changed gender perception and like the evolution of having equal rights. So from a social perspective, my perspective here is if we can get 
real estate to be 50-50, you're going to see some incredible outcomes and you're going to see consumer products in real estate that we haven't even imagined, uh, moving us more towards a service that gives people back their time and enables people's lifestyle. And there are better ways to generate wealth. So uh, I really try to ha- emphasize that in our our. But our, our, it's hard, right? It's, you have to kind of keep working and intentionally trying to build diversity across many different factors. Um, so that's. Yeah, well, very cool. And I, I mean, I appreciate that. And it's something that, uh, like I said, we don't get into a lot on the show, but um, every once in a while, I see I see glimmers within the industry that this is something that we need to talk about, focus on. And uh, I think it's important when uh, we have an opportunity, you know, we, we shouldn't shy away from it. Minutely, so I'm pretty terrible at this conversation. Uh, I always get like really nervous when I have to ask someone about something like this. But I want to recognize, you know, I was specifically looking through the website the other night and like just kind of digging through like, what are some really fun things? And when I came across the careers page, it's like, okay, so like, it wasn't like, hey, look at us. We've checked all the boxes, but I could just see the team and you could just, you could see it. Um, also, why is everyone so stylish? Everyone at Alfred is like such good style. Yeah, this is just like, I'm, I know that's not part of the interview, but. I have to be it, careful. There's a reason why. <laughs> We're just a, okay. like, one team and we like, we raise each other up. <laughs> there's a, <laughs> there's well, a lot of people who are very aesthetic driven on my team. <laughs> fair enough. Well, hey, we're going to, we're going to jump into the bottom of the show here uh, for, for the future. For the future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Marcella, are you ready to play? I am and I have 9% on my computer, so let's go. All right, let's do it. Number one, what does Alfred look like one year from now? Uh, we look the same, but better in the sense that I really think that our technology, our Alfred operating system is going to be so slick that if you walk into an Alfred building, it will feel like going to a Tesla dealer. It's just different. All right. Question number two, what will be the most talked about challenges for managers and operators when it comes to resident management? for the next two to three years? Uh, I think equal opportunity and making sure that we really get um, workforce and affordable housing right. And the fact that rent prices have never been higher and whether or not that really, we can really afford those increases. And who's looking out for the consumer? Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? People only looking at the financials and not looking at their reputation scores, NPS, consumer satisfaction. I think that if everyone paid attention to that and if we could adopt NPS, a consumer grade metric in real estate, people would see it come through in their numbers and it would be a huge transformation paradigm shift. And last one here, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? People will no longer fill out paper applications or write checks to pay their rent. <laughs> hey, yo, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. These last three are about you, Marcella, so our audience gets to know you a little bit better. First one, what are you reading? I am reading. Uh, I like to have lots of books on hand. So I'm reading um, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, and I'm reading a book that John Doerr sent um, to a bunch of founders about the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't read Three Body, everybody needs to read that. It's fantastic sci-fi. Number two, who are you learning from? I um, have come across a group called Dialogue, which is uh, some of the coolest, most interesting um, folks out there from lots of different backgrounds. And um, if you get invited to a Dialogue event, I really recommend it. I'm learning from my peers who are in media or in government 
together in nonprofits. And it's been pretty fantastic. Last one here, what inspires you? My grandmother told me to do everything that came into my head and not leave anything on the table. And that life is very short. And so make the most of it. And so that's what I'm trying to do when I get up every day. Um, it's not been easy, but I think that we're in a moment of great change and there's so much opportunity for all of us to have impact in our everyday life and how we walk through the world. So head up and onward. I, I love it. It's, it's a great uh, outlook on things. Marcella, thank you so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun um, and I learned a few things here. But also, um, I hope that uh, our listeners will have as well. Before we go and before your laptop dies, people who want to get in touch with you or learn more about Alfred, where do they go? How do they do that? Um, send me an email, Marcella with one L at helloalfred.com and uh, helloalfred.com to check out what we do. There it is. All right. I appreciate it. And um, before... We're gonna we're gonna beat the bell here. So I'm gonna sign off before we lose all power. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.